Good morning. Thank you, Praise Band, for the great music this morning so far. Our scripture reading today is from Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Lacey, for our scripture lesson this morning. Not always ways is a treat with the band. They do a wonderful job, and it's good to see you all here today. It's a great day that God has made for us to worship together. As we've heard what the scripture read, let us pause for a moment and ask for God's Holy Spirit to lead us in this time together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we gather here as your people, and you know each of us by name. You know the journey we've been walking. You know what we've been experiencing, the challenges we're facing. And God, we listen to the news and we see the suffering happening with wildfires and the, the ugliness that's taking place in our country politically and, and the hurt across the world. God, there just seems to be so much brokenness, and division and pain. Often we can lose sight of that, God. Side of the fact that all we hear is bad news. In this place, God, may we hear the good news that you seek to give us. The assurance of your love for us, your presence with us, that you are still God. And no matter what we face, what we hear, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because you have promised that you're always with us. So we come, God, seeking that assurance today. May your Holy Spirit lead us in this moment together. May you enable me to speak your words in a way that bring glory to you and draw us closer to you and to one another. We offer this moment to you, God. Heal us now. Speak to us. Renew us in our spirits. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, years ago, I had the opportunity when I was a teenager uh, to go to uh, one of these uh, a youth camp that was uh, during the summer. And uh, I'd heard a lot about this camp. I mean, as, as youth and teenagers, you, you look forward to going to camps and stuff. But uh, I was excited. I heard a lot about this camp and all the great things that happened there. And so I, I couldn't wait to send off for the information. And so I, I sent off the information and looking for this packet to come in the mail uh, with great anticipation. I mean, back then we didn't have the Internet. <laughs> and now we didn't have a chance to you know, Google it and see what it looked like and download the applications, all the information about it. So, you know, you had to wait. For it to come in the mail, and as a teenager, man, I'm checking the mailbox every day. Finally, it comes in, and I run the house, and I tear it open. I'm all excited about this, and I start reading, but all the exciting things happen, and I was like, yeah, oh, this sounds awesome. And then then I got to that part about the, kind of the backside of the, uh, one of the papers was this list of rules that each participant had to uh, agree to uh, being uh, to, to respected to obey all these rules when you got there. And as I read these rules, my enthusiasm began to wane. I mean, there were like almost a hundred rules in this this list of things of things you can't do. Things like uh, you couldn't listen to any rock music, no rock and roll music. I'm like, well, really? And uh, then there was uh, no facial hair, so I would really be in trouble there. Uh, no facial hair, uh, no no unchaperoned settings with anybody from the opposite sex. I'm like, man. 
Um, no holding hands, no kissing. Uh, even when you dance, they said you had to have 12 inches between you and the other person. Thinking, how do you do that? <clears throat> but, uh, and it, you know, as our youth would say today, absolutely no purpling. If you don't know what that is, you can ask one of your youth or your grandkids. <laughs> we got to tell you what that is. But, uh, <clears throat> and, of course, you had all the other rules that you normally expect to go in a camp. No smoking, no drinking, no cussing, no, you know, staying out late at night, no, uh, no drugs, all that kind of stuff. And the list went on and on and on. And, and I, you know, <laughs> as a teenager in that time, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, here I am mean, looking forward to getting away for the summer and being out of my parents' house. And this was a real downer. <laughs> I mean, I, most, I'm not most, a lot of the things on this list were things that I, were a part of my life's goals at that stage in my life. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is not going to be fun. So I was, I was looking forward to those things, getting away from home and all that stuff. So I decided to pass on that summer uh, youth camp. I went to one of these uh, nice Methodist camps where the rules were a little less strict that summer and, <clears throat> and enjoyed that. I, I think that there are many people whose story kind of fits that when it comes to religion. Uh, the truth is, uh, perhaps some of you have experienced this. Maybe you know of somebody who has. But a lot of people, when they look at Christianity, look at religion, all they see is this list of rules, these, this list of do's and don'ts and expectations and things you can't do, things you can't do, all that stuff. And, and that's, that's, unfortunately, the church has been guilty of that, being so focused on the do's and the don'ts and the rules of, of life and stuff that, so that Christianity and life are really um, left out of what it's really all about. I mean, uh, sometimes you become so focused on the rules, on the issue that you're dealing with, that you forget the bigger purpose of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow God and love God. And I think we've all experienced that at some level. Of course, when it comes to the rules that you experience in the church, those rules have changed over time. Uh, I can remember uh, years ago when it was considered by many churches to be a sin to play cards. Any of y'all remember that? I'm not talking about poker. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, any kind of card game, a solitaire, go fish, any card game. It was actually considered to be a sin if you had a deck of cards in your house. Now, we don't think about that anymore. We don't view it that way. We all play cards. Uh, some churches actually taught that it was a sin to drink any beverage that had caffeine in it. I'm not talking about alcohol, but to drink any beverage that had caffeine in it. Now, obviously, we do not have that rule here at our church. Um, we prefer for our church members when they come on Sunday morning to be awake and uh, not sleep. We actually provide caffeine for you and even entice you with donuts, whatever it takes. Uh, we provide that for you. So that's not a rule that we look at anymore. Uh, I can remember when I was a, ch- a child, it was considered uh, a sin to work on the Sabbath. Of course, you, that's in the Ten Commandments. You know, you don't work on the Sabbath. But uh, there were churches in that day that took it literally, even in the Methodist church. My dad was a Methodist pastor. And I can remember um, one time, we were hosting the preacher who was preaching the revival at my dad's church. He was staying at our house. And somehow I'd torn my pants. Um, I, was, I think I was six years old at the time. I remember my pants were torn. And my mother needed to sew them so that I could be able to wear them to church that night. And she got out the needle and thread. She started doing it. And the, guy, the revival preacher stopped her and said, no, 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 you can't do that. Because it's working on the Sabbath. That would be a sin. So my mom, being the good Methodist preacher's wife that she was, went to my dad. She says, take that. Revival preacher outside, and I'm gonna go hide in the bad bedroom and sew up his pants. <laughs> Do that, and so that's what she did. And I, I think that was part of the guilt that led me to go down the altar that night and pray because we had sinned on the Sabbath, you know, by working on the Sabbath. Um, some churches have said that it's a sin to eat certain kinds of meat, 
or and some say that certain kinds of meat on certain days you shouldn't eat. And so you have those rules that go along. Some of us are familiar with that. They make a big deal out of it. Uh, some churches have taught that women are not to wear pants, but only wear dresses. Of course, we don't have that rule here, <laughs> do we? Uh, but there are some churches also said it's okay for women to wear pants, but the zippers have to be not in the front, but on the side and the back. Y'all remember that? Anybody here remember those days? <laughs> well, the zippers had to be on the side and the back. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, I can remember hearing a woman say, Anita Bryant claims to be a Christian, but she's not. She was big famous back in then, a uh, Christian artist. But she said, I saw her on TV. She was wearing some pants, and the zipper was up front. That's uh, wearing a man's raiment, and that's a sin. So she's not a Christian. I'm thinking, wow, really? Well, that's that's kind of harsh. But even then, I, I recognized at that young age that... Uh, there's got to be something more to Christianity than having your zipper on the right side of your pants. I mean, <laughs> got to be something more to that. The truth is, this has always been the case. Religion has always tended to um, major on the minors, <laughs> the issues, and focus on the rules, and uh, uh, miss the main point of what it means to really be a Christian, what it means to follow God in your life. We get caught up in the do's and the don'ts and all the petty things. It was no difference for the Jews during the first century. And that day and time, if you were going to be a good Jew, it meant that you would live according to the law. And there was, a, there was hundreds of laws, 613 laws to be exact, that you were expected to live by. Uh, these laws range from how you wash your hands to how you, uh, uh, what, what kind of clothes you wear, how you dress, how many steps you could take on the Sabbath. I mean, there was, there was tons, hundreds of these laws that you were expected to live by. And the religious leaders of that day had this way of trying to uh, emphasize the supreme importance of following all these laws is a matter of life and death that you do all these things well one day one of these teachers of the law comes to jesus and as a test i mean he knows all the laws and he's trying to catch jesus and put him in almost an impossible situation by saying which of these hundreds of laws that we're expected to follow is the most important now consider how important jesus's answer to this question is going to be i mean here you have the lord of lords the king of kings, the God of all creation. And he's about to answer this question, which will tell the world once and for all, what is the most important requirement expected of us as Christians, as followers of God? What's he going to say? You say, don't eat pork. <laughs> uh, make sure your zipper's on the right side of your pants. Um, don't eat meat on certain days or whatever. What is he going to say? Well, this is what he ends up saying is the most important commandment of all. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. According to Jesus, the most important commandment for us as people upon this earth is to love God. To love God. If you want to be a good Christian, if you want to have a life of great spiritual vitality, if you want to have a personal relationship with God that is deep and, and fulfilling, then you are to love God. Seek to love God with all that is within you. Jesus, of course, went on to say there's a second commandment that's uh, important too, and that is to love others as you love yourself. In fact, for Jesus, these two really are inseparable. They, they had to go hand in hand as, as one. It's kind of like the symbol of the cross that we have. That's a symbol of our faith, that, that our vertical line points to our relationship with God, and the horizontal line points to our relationship with one another. Uh, this is what Jesus embodied in his uh, life. God and love for one another. These two commandments are to be understood as really as one. But 
for today's purposes, I want to talk about that commandment that Jesus says is the most important, that we are to love the Lord our God with all that we have within us. See, Jesus makes it clear that living the Christian life is much more than just following a set of rules. It's much more than just having a sense of obligation, obeying hundreds of mind-numbing rules and regulations and trying to live in such a way that we can earn. If we just follow all these rules, and maybe God will love us more. Uh, you know, if you, if you do these things, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Jesus says everything else in your life will find its proper place. It will all take place in the way that needs to be. St. Augustine summed the Christian life up in this way. He said, love God. And do what you like. That upset a lot of these rule-based Christians. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? His point was that if you make uh, loving God, if everything is motivated and uh, under your passion to love God with everything within you, then you're not going to do this bad stuff. You're, you're going to seek to do the good stuff in life. And so make that the focus of your life. This is why Jesus didn't answer that lawyer with a bunch of do's and don'ts. He simply said living the Christian life is a matter of loving God. With your heart, mind, soul, and strength, all that you are. Because if you're focused on the rules and the issues and all this do's and don'ts stuff, but you're not loving God, Jesus said you're missing the point entirely. Everything has to come from that, your love for God. So with that in mind, I want to talk about how do, how do we love God? How do we, how do we uh, love God more? Well, based on what Jesus says in this passage, there are at least four ways that we can love God more. First of all, you have to commit yourself to being loyal to God. Loyal. In a traditional wedding service, when the couple comes before the altar and they say their vows with one another, uh, there's a part in the, the service where the pastor will ask them, will you forsake all others? Be faithful to him or to her for as long as you live. Of course, the answer to that should be, I do. <laughs> right? I, I will. Uh, for most marriages, this forsaking all others Fidelity is one of those non-negotiable expectations. We, we know that in order for a marriage to really work, uh, you have to have that exclusive loyalty with one another, one another. When you give your heart to someone, you're, giving, you're pledging your loyalty to them. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. Jesus says we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. When you give your heart to God, you're also pledging your loyalty to God. You're saying, I belong to you, Lord. I confess and profess that you are Lord of Lords. You're the King of the Kings. You are my master, my savior. And anything else in this world that competes with my love for you must be forsaken. And there's a lot of stuff out there that tries to compete with our love for God, our, our uh, quest for uh, more in, of life, our quest for success, money, pleasure, power, you name it. All of those things in life have to take a back seat to our seeking to love God and making God a priority in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and everything else will fall into place. So if you're seeking to grow in your love for God, go deeper in that, you have to give him your heart. You have to be willing to forsake all other things to make him the most important thing in your life, your, your life's ambition, you have to be loyal to God. The second thing <coughs> that uh, Jesus points out in a way that we can grow in our love for God is to cultivate your spiritual life. Jesus says you should love the Lord God with all of your soul. Now, I just compared our relationship with God to a marriage, but I want to take that a little bit further. 
what are the signs of a really healthy, great marriage? Is it having the, the big, nice home, two-car, three-car garage? Is it having uh, the six-figure six income? Is it having a, uh, a lot of kids that are well-behaved? I mean, is that the sign of having a good, healthy marriage? <laughs> of course not. None of those things have anything to do with having a happy marriage. A sign of a happy marriage is entirely different. Uh, you, you can tell a, that a couple is happily married if after 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they still have that special something with each other. They, they still hold hands. They, they look at each other that certain way. They uh, would rather be with one another than with anybody else. Um, they, they talk to each other at the end of the day. Uh, they uh, laugh at each other's jokes. A happily married couple has an intangible something in their relationship. But any couple that has experienced that, has a happy marriage, will tell you that that doesn't happen overnight. It's something you have to cultivate and you have to nurture over time. And the same is true in our relationship with God. If you want to, have, if you want to love God more on, on a deeper level, you have to cultivate that intangible something in your relationship with God. Jesus said, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. In order to do that, you have to cultivate your spiritual life. You have to spend time with God in prayer and Bible study and meditation and reflection. You have to seize the opportunities in the day to just be in God's presence and open yourself to that. The more time you spend with God, the more you're able to love God. You fall deeper in love with God. This is why we place such an emphasis in the church upon finding those times during the day where you can just be with God, time alone with God. It's time when you shout, shut out the world that's around you and you focus on God, his presence, his love for you. And you do that through Bible study, prayer, other things. And that's not to be perceived as just another rule that I, I need to spend more time with God in order to be a good Christian. I have these obligations. It's one more obligation to kind of fit in your busy world. A lot of Christians approach Christianity in that way. And that's why they don't maintain that lifestyle because it's just another obligation to fulfill. You have to see this as an opportunity to spend time in the presence of somebody who loves you more than anything you could possibly imagine. It's an opportunity to fall more in love with God every day. So if you want to love God more, to love God with all of your soul, then you have to cultivate your spiritual life. You have to spend time with God on a daily basis. A third way that we uh, grow in our love of God, Jesus talks about, is that you have to cultivate your mental diet. <laughs> uh, this, this means, he says, you will love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And that means we take control of what we put into our minds. Uh, we, we take control of what we listen to, who we listen to, what we watch, what we read, what we think about. We allow God to be that controlling influence that shapes who we are. And it, it's, it, it, it affects our lives in such a way that, you know, what we take in is what, uh, what shapes what we think about, what our mind absorbs, everything that our minds reflect. We have, to, we have to protect that. We have to make choices in life as to what we're going to allow. And why is this important? Because Jesus talks about how what we allow to come into our hearts and our minds shapes us into the people that we become. As it says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so he becomes. 
had someone recently tell me that they stopped watching certain television shows because the content was so negative, so satirical, so <clears throat> really it just it was ugly in a lot of ways. And they said, you know, I, I used to love to watch these shows, but now when I watch them, uh, I found myself perceiving the world and everybody around me through that, that their eyes. And it just changed my attitude about life and about the world. And I said, I, I don't want to be that kind of person. And so I just stopped watching that. I've had to distance myself from certain people over the years because being with them and their negativity just began to influence my thinking. And you know, I began to yeah, feel that way too. I said, I don't want to do that. I had to separate myself from those individuals. A friend of mine recently lost his job because he got kind of entangled in some employee relationships that he shouldn't have, some people who were very negative. <clears throat> he was new to the business and came in as a new employee. He didn't know anybody. But there was this group of employees who always seemed to be disgruntled about something. And they were eager to have another person to uh, listen to their uh, objections and their gripe sessions. And they, when they get on their break times, they would complain about the boss. When they go to the lunch together, they would complain about the owners. Uh, when they get together in sessions outside of the, the uh, business on their days off or something, they would spend it, most of the conversation was about how unhappy they were and the job they're dealing with. And this was going on and on. Finally, the manager fired them all, fired the whole group. She, she could tell, you know, this is not good for the company. And my friend says, you know, I wish to goodness I would have never gotten involved with those people. So I was happy at my job when I first went there until I started feeding upon their poison. Listen, you may never physically be unfaithful to your spouse. But if you're consuming and being obsessed with lustful thoughts about somebody else or have gotten addicted to pornography, then that has the same impact upon your marriage, upon your relationship and upon your soul. You may not kill somebody or, or strike somebody, but uh, if you allow these thoughts and yourself to become so consumed with resentment and getting even and revenge, that has the same impact upon your life and upon your soul. If you associate yourself with people who don't believe in God, and there's a lot of friends you may have that, nah, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, whatever. If you associate yourself around those kind of people, uh, and you're always hearing their questions and their doubts and their, their reasoning why you shouldn't and why God doesn't exist. You're, you're constantly dealing with that. That's going to, over time, impact your relationship with God. So if you want to grow in your love for God, you have to guard your mind. You have to take control of what you listen to, what you watch, what you read. Control who and what influences your thoughts. Because you don't want to feel your stuff, your mind with stuff that's going to um, influence your spiritual life in a negative way. You want to be a part of filling your mind and your heart with things that are going to enhance, encourage you in your spiritual life to love God more. This is one of the reasons I choose to listen to Christian music more than other music. I, mean, I, I like other music, but I just choose to listen to it uh, because it, it gives me that positive message. It's, it's also why I always try to start my day and end my day with God. I also have chosen to uh, download certain apps on my phone that uh, you know, send up these notifications of scripture and positive thoughts during the day and devotion things it brings before me because there's so much other stuff out there that is negative. You know, this is just those things that happen during the day to, to call me back in a way of encouraging me to, uh, to stay in love with God. So if you want to love God more, then you have to control what goes in your mind. You have to love God with all of your mind. The fourth way that I think Jesus says we are to try to grow in our love for God 
is persevere to the best of your ability. Persevere. Jesus says you to love God with all of your strength. This means you keep on trying to, to stay faithful and to love God no matter what. I mean, there are going to be days when we feel empty, we feel alone, we feel depressed. There's going to be days we feel with nothing but negativity and, and despair and that kind of stuff. And yet we don't give up. We continue to persevere. On those days, those are the times you have to get on your knees and you have to open yourself up to God's presence and you have to say, God, please help me. God, I just don't think I can continue on. I'm seeing no hope. I'm seeing no, no encouragement here, no comfort. That's when you have to surrender your heart to God. That's when you have to uh, seek to renew your mind in God. This is when you have to uh, seek to, to offer your strength and yourself to God in so many different ways. When we fail in our effort to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, your love for God grows cold. We don't give up. We keep on trying until we get through it. The Apostle Paul said, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. So we keep on pursuing, persevering to the best of our ability. I love that verse in Corinthians. Apostle Paul says, he says, who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rules, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's no way that you can love God more than God loves you. I know that. You know that. And God knows that. But you can learn to love God more each day, a little bit more. It's like the old song that says, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. That can describe your relationship with God. When you seek to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. But, you know, one of the problems I think it happens to us when it comes to loving God is that we tend to think about love as a feeling, as, as an emotion. It's all about how we feel about somebody determines whether we really love them or not, right? And yet, we all know that feelings, we know that emotions are short-lived, they're fickle, they're they chains of the wind, of circumstances, and uh, they can eventually uh, die down. The truth is, if my love for my wife and my children was solely, purely based upon how I feel about them on a daily basis, um, you know, it would have been over a long time ago. <laughs> there are a lot of days that we don't feel the love <laughs> toward each other very much. But uh, our relationship is not based on how we feel toward each other all the time. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's based upon commitment. It's based upon perseverance, loyalty to one another. That's how we've managed to stay together for 38 years, and I haven't killed my kids over the years. No? <clears throat> because most of the days, I mean, I'm going to get out of the doghouse here, I hope. But, uh, you know, the truth is I do love my wife. I love you, baby. And uh, I do love uh, my children. Uh, and most days we do feel the love. But the love, our relationship is based upon so much more than just how we feel toward one another. When it comes to loving God, it's in the same way. 
it's, a, it's more than just an emotion or how we feel toward God. It is a lifestyle that we choose to live on a daily basis. It's much more than following a set of rules. It's much more than just having this sense of obligation we try to fit into our life, hoping that God will love us more if we just follow all the rules. It's much more than that. Loving God involves making God the priority of our lives. It involves your loyalty to God. It involves cultivating your spiritual life on a daily basis. It involves controlling what goes into your mind, your mental diet, and persevering to the best of our ability. In the words of Jesus, it is to love the Lord our God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Why is this the most important commandment? Because this is what everything in life should come from. If we make this our life's ambition, all the things that we see in our world and our, all the things that, that happen to us, they find their proper place when God is the priority. We live in a world right now that's so broken. Remember how God said, if, you'll, if my people will return to me, seek my face, confess, I'll heal their land, I'll heal them. And we seek to turn to God because God is our only hope. But those who make this their life's ambition, they find that all the things they're longing for find their proper place. And we experience life as it was intended to be. May our prayer be to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray together. God, we know these words. <clears throat> We've heard them from the time we became Christians that this is your will for us, and yet we confess, God, that we've not often lived this way. We have been loyal to other things. We have allowed so many other things in the world, the negativity, the, the uh, terrible thoughts that happen in the world, the events that take place to shape who we are. And God, we just ask forgiveness. We ask that your Holy Spirit would enable us to return to you, to make you the priority of our lives. Because, God, we want all that other stuff, the brokenness, the ugliness. We don't want it to all be put in its proper place. We want to experience life with hope and joy that you offer to us, the abundant life. It all begins, God, we know, by loving you. So may we help, help us to do that, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.